Welcome to 20th Century Geek. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to 20th Century Geek. I'm Scott Weatherly, your presenter, and we are starting our Superman journey. This is part one of a three-part series looking at the entire history of Superman and celebrating the Man of Steel as he achieves his 80th birthday. For some, that's a, you know, probably one foot in the grave, a little bit closer to death. But not for the, not for soups, not for the big blue Boy Scout. He's uh, still going strong, and if anything, getting stronger each year. So, we're going to do this in three, three different shows. The first show is me talking with a friend of the show, and uh, contributor to Sequart and his own blog, uh, Ben Hall. We talk about comics, we talk about a few other things. That's coming in a few moments. And then next week, I have the comic book guys back, Matt and Jordan come back, and we're talking Superman on the screen. We're going to be talking about the movies, the TV shows, possibly even the cartoons, everything Superman on the screen. And then finally, the final part, part three, is just going to be question, what does Superman mean to you? we get some great responses for that. So, without further ado, I'll hand you over to me and Ben and our Superman chat. Ben to 20th Century Geek. Uh, do you want to give uh, the listeners a bit of a um, a sound off on, on who you are and what you do? Well, I uh, well, <laughs> this is kind of complicated. Uh, <laughs> I am a person with Asperger's, uh, which is a form of the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, and I sort of stumbled my way into writing and editing. And I have worked for Sequert, or it's Sequert or Sequert. I don't get that wrong. No, no, no. I, uh, I, I was speaking to Julian Darius uh, the other yeah, weekend. Yeah, and, and he says it different ways. So it's, <laughs> there is no wrong way of saying it, I don't think. Yeah. Um, anyway, I sort of stumbled my way into working for them, doing some editing and then some writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find my articles on their website. I uh, edited some of Anatomy of Zurin R, of the Batman of Zurin R. Oh, really? And, I've just bought that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm one of the editors credited on it. It was a little too tough for me to fully <laughs> get through the final stages of editing for, mm. because I was just like, okay, this is feeling a little repetitive. Yeah. Yes, I can believe that. So you've. But, so you, uh, it, I think it's a worthwhile purchase. Yeah, it for is. People, even though yeah. I don't make any money off of saying that. Yeah, no, no, it's excellent. I love all the Sequot books. I think they've been fantastic. There's some really good, um, you know, uh, analysis and really good opinions. Some fascinating opinions on uh, on different comic subjects. So, I have to admit, I, I, I highly recommend any of the Sequot books. They're all fantastic. Yeah, I um, got started with them after blogging about one of their books mm. and 
before that, I had done some work for Salem Press, a small publisher here in the U.S. Cool. So you were you were a uh, man well versed in comic law then. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And uh, I had also basically done my thesis on comic book, our Marvel movies, and uh, both as an undergraduate and a master's student, Excellent. I did both. So. At Webster University. Yeah. And uh, lately I've been doing my blog, riverspot.blogspot.com, and reviewing titles like Prevaliant. They send me some stuff. I do review, honest reviews of their work. And uh, I do some other blog posts, usually opinion pieces. And uh, I've been doing opinion pieces for comment. God, I can't. Don't know how to say it. It's like Comic Con, mm-hmm. but with only one C at the end and the on smushed in. So it's like sacred, but it's like one word. Right. Okay. Yeah. But no, again, I I I recommend uh, Rip Spot. I've um uh, I've read uh, quite a few of your blogs and uh, and some of your opinion pieces and uh, excellent, all good. Uh, really enjoy them. Thank you. Um, I've also done a comic called Time Trio, so I'm trying my hand at that. Yeah, good. Try, yeah, get yourself into the creative side. Fantastic. So, yeah. today then, <clears throat> we are here to talk about the Man of Steel himself, the granddaddy of all superheroes. Um, and uh, as, as you're aware, and as we you know, we, we discussed uh, previously, is uh, the big question I'm asking a lot of people, really, before we get dig into these things, is what does Superman mean to you? Um, and I think it's a really good starting point for, for this conversation uh, before we do get off into the comics and everything else. So I'm going to throw it to you, Ben. What does Superman okay. mean to you? Uh, well, this will sound odd with our explanation, but uh, he sort of represents an anchor point for my um, sanity and personal development. And by that, I mean I was... Because I have Asperger's and ADHD and eventually we found out depression, um, I was, Asperger's was not talked about, autism was not talked about for a good long time, and when I was eight years old, we were still trying to figure out what the diagnosis was, why I was hallucinating on these meds I'd been prescribed because of a misdiagnosis. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we decided to put me in a psychiatric hospital. Wow. And for that time, I, even before then, I was into Superman, I was into Batman, you name it. Mm. And, except for, you know, the image stuff. I, I, I could never get into that mm. at, back then. But anyway, um, I was into that. And I, one of the comics that got me through it through that month in the psychiatric hospital where I was getting the right diagnosis, Mm -hmm. was Superman time and time again. Mm. And that is a collection of these seven issues from 1991. So obviously, being eight years old, I was like looking at the covers inside and thinking, oh, I've been here longer than I have. Yes, yeah. (laughs) But... uh, Anyway, it, it's a, a really it's sort of dated now, but it's uh, obviously because it's a time travel story mm. where they constantly reference 1991. 
but it's uh, very good at showing how multiple legion of superheroes characters can interact with Superman mm. without, you know, conflicting too much. Mm. And it introduced me to Booster Gold, Wave Rider, Lois's early fiance-ship with yeah. Superman. So that's where I, I got the idea of also where where it's like, oh, he can be a sort of fatherly figure. He's more grown up than some superheroes. And that's a really good point. Uh, you know, I joked before saying he's the granddaddy of superheroes, but he is, you know, regardless of how old they ever depict him, he really is like a father figure in the DC universe, isn't he? He's sort of... Uh, yeah. That warm fatherly figure, that, that sort of almost like the moral compass for the whole thing that everyone looks up to for the right yeah, answer. And it, you can even look back to the fact that the Infinite Crisis, for example, mm. where it's like, oh, well, I want my, the Earth 2, the original Earth 2 version comes back and he says, oh, I want the, the things like they were in the golden age of superheroes where things were simple and mm. simplistic and morality and stuff. Yeah, I mean that's it. You know, at his core, it's uh, you know truth and justice. It's in this day and age, it does sound, you know, it can sound a bit, a bit sappy corny. and stuff. But yeah, but yeah, corny. In but the perfect way when it should be something like the world way or the best way. Possible. Yeah. But it but it underlines it does underline you know his his ethos of being, you know. Regardless of the situation, it may not be the it may not be the nicest way, but he will always try and find the best way and the fairest way, and I think that's really important. So how did that you know you, you refer to your sort of um, you know, your Asperger's and and uh, the other um, illnesses? How did how does Superman well, help I, I, you? They're, they're more mental conditions, except for the depression, which is an illness. Yes. Yeah. Okay. With, with with those though, as a young boy, then how, how you know what what impact did Superman have on you then? Did he act as oh. an anchor? Is it was he, you know, as a, as a moralistic? It was an anchor because it was like I was getting better at reading at the time. Because mm-hmm. I, it took me longer than my brother who doesn't have Aspergers. He, he's not even on the autism spectrum. He, mm. he does have some stuff going on, but not that. Um, it took me longer to learn to read, and also to speak as clearly as I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, before and so Superman and superheroes were like Spider-Man were big for my childhood mm. so I, I grew up collecting mainly those uh, Superman I'd find in the grocery store or I even convinced my mom to buy the death of Reign of Superman trading card set excellent yeah. So it, it it really helped me feel like I was less alone, I guess, and and that I wasn't just going to be totally an outcast, I guess. Yeah. The best way of looking at it, because even though that wasn't how I thought of back then, I did see myself as an outcast, and Superman is he's like the ultimate outcast. He's the immigrant who you know, can't really be himself half the time, mm. no matter which identity you look at. If you look at Clark Kent, he 
who's his real self, he can't be all Mr. Macho or anything like that. He has to be all slouch posture, different tone of voice, probably a weaker one, you know. Yeah, I really, and that's something that's really interesting. I think you know people, <clears throat> you know that people talk about um, characters like the X Men, you know, as representing that outsider culture, and they do. You know, don't get me wrong, they definitely do. Yeah. But there's definitely something about, um, you know, especially sort of like the earlier uh, Superman, probably up to the nineties, and or maybe up to the, say the John Byrne era in the eighties, when that is so true. The fact that like he is that thing of he can never truly. Like, be himself, you know, because when he's Superman, he has to be up front, you know, he's all the shield, he has to be Superman. And then when he's Clark Kent, he has to hide all his powers. So, um, you know, it's it's interesting that, that um, you know, people always talk about oh, who is the, re-? it's not with Batman as well, it's like, who is the real person? But in this case, is it Batman, is it Superman or is it Clark Kent? Um I'd say it's obviously Clark Kent, mm. and uh, people are, who are going by, you know, the idea of Superman being the real person are either missing the point of he grew up here on Earth, he is not seeing himself as a, an alien, he's only seeing himself as an immigrant, mm. and while Bruce Wayne is obviously the mask for Batman because he went through a traumatic event. And he, as a child, and he decided, I, I need to grasp onto something. Yeah. And whether you want to see it as a supernatural thing, like the Dark Knight's Metal thing, mm. or if you want to see it as, okay, this is a traumatized little boy who grew up to some extent that night. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, you know, that's the thing. I mean, referring to that, you, you know, you you highlight that that uh, dynamic that exists again in the DC universe that you know the batman is the dark he is he is a for want of a better phrase is a child still dealing with his grief through channeling his rage while superman is that beacon of light that shows that sort of despite being um an all powerful alien through a moralistic and relatively simple human upbringing he has become you know that 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 moral compass, um, and you're right. I think that's where the Clark Kent character is so important to accept that it, that's who he is because that's well, that's who he wasn't Superman when he was growing up. He was Clark Kent. No matter how you want to slice it, mm. I mean it. It's like he did not really. Know, he knew he was developing powers. We see that a lot in mm. a lot of versions, but we don't see him going. Oh well, I have to speak like Great Rao or something through a lot of versions. Even with Super, whether he was Superboy or just Clark, uh, you know. So, as but speaking of his alien heritage, I also think that, uh, as I said in one of my articles, uh, he, we need to move forward because landing a spaceship. Even a crash landing, even if you had the kryptonite meteors, mm. is becoming nearly impossible with how much some people are exploring space. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 
I, I know what you mean. It's it's one of those where sort of the origin stories, as I say, as you get further and further away from the original publication of those ideas, like the the less and less plausible they sort of they remain because of like you say because of science and technology that we actually have. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um. There's ways and means, I suppose. A great storyteller can make it work, but you're right. I think it needs to be retooled a little bit. Um, well, I think we're sort of past the point of retelling mm. certain superhero origins. I mean, some can still be retold for a number of decades, but we have relaunched... I mean, if you look at like Marvel versus where DC is right now... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They keep relaunching and retelling and relaunching and retelling, and it's and people are getting a little sick of it. Oh, yeah. Whereas you see, it's like, oh, well, Superman has a son now, yeah, and Batman it's the son, yeah. So, that while that may age them up figuratively, we need to also age them up so that it's not ridiculous at some point for them to have a son no. who's like some age where it's like. But wait, aren't they supposed to be this age? I I agree. I know what you mean, um, and I, I definitely agree with the Marvel thing. This whole fresh start thing just feels like stale eggs. I don't. I'm, it's not. Yeah, that's a different podcast. But I agree. I mean, I I, 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 I was just using it as an example. That's all. No, but I totally agree. I don't. I definitely agree with that. With what you were saying. Um, but I also like a lot. You know, this whole idea of of giving um, Batman and Superman. Uh, sons, um, you know, but Superman more recently with Jonathan Kent, um, yeah. I, I've really enjoyed it because it's it's added a dynamic that you know we talked about him being the father figure of the DCU, but now he's having to deal with like actual fatherhood, um, and you know passing on a legacy, and it, it's been um, it's been really interesting, uh, especially in comparison to stories that have been told in the past. So, yeah, like uh, when I, I think Lor, the original Lor Zod was known as Christo, Chris Kent, mm. Christopher during the uh, he, he didn't last very long so in the main storyline he was in. Uh, last, I think it was Last Son of Krypton that Richard Donner and Jeff Johns did. Yes. Yes, Last Son of Krypton. Kurt Busiek actually had time to explore that a little bit. Mm. Uh, and so, and then, uh, I think Greg Rucka finished the, that off with, a re- with bringing him back as an adult and having him be either a Nightwing or Flame Bird. Yes, yeah, and that was quite a nice art, that was, because that thing of, you know, dealing with the, with, you know, with development, especially of powers and of, uh, again, experience when you've got that, cap- you know, those powers and stuff is, is really important. Yeah, I remember that story. It was good. Yeah. So, so what... Uh, no, go on. Go, go ahead. I was going to ask the question, so what sort of era of Superman sort of, uh, you know, stands out to you? What's the one... What's your go-to sort of era for Superman? That's tricky, because I'm liking what's going on right now, mm. from what I've read of it. But uh, I also think we wouldn't have it without the... Pre having him die, mm. and also the whole wedding issue. And fortunately, I have to say that 
I also have to give some props to Convergence, the, specifically the tie-in for Superman, where he has Jonathan, you know, get born. Yeah. Yeah, not 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 much came out of Convergence that I was impressed with, but that that tidied things up a lot for me. But... Oh, Convergence just pissed me off so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I actually read the main series and Booster Gold, and I was like, wait, you screwed up the lettering on Booster Gold, mm. and you're bringing him in, him and another version of him in to last minute Convergence. And saying that everything I knew about Superman and everybody else, that everything I grew up with, doesn't matter. All the back issues, all that history, you've rewritten it with this, and none of it matters. And it just, it made me so mad, I actually uh, traded in several of my issues for, just because I was like, okay, I'm done with DC for right now. Yeah, it, it's that thing, isn't it, of of, um, of the continuity. Like you know, they talk about it. Everyone talks about how important it is, but then they'll 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 happily reignite it or restart it at the drop of a hat if they think they sell a couple more issues. And con- convergence just felt like a rush job. It really did. It was a. It was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, to argue your point, I actually think a lot of people were especially at DC at the time, were arguing against continuity being a thing that was necessary. And really, no story, even the single-issue stories, mm. could work without some kind of continuity. Because you have to have a beginning, middle, and end somewhere along the line. Mm. I find that difficult when people... Because I know what you're saying, and that seems to be... Um one of those things that gets bounced around again is that dropping of uh, continuity. Like, oh, there's, there's too much. It doesn't matter. You haven't got to follow it all. You know, we just want to do this story. And sometimes just doing a story, like, you know, like you said before, like, you know, with a self-contained story, it can be great. But there are elements in that that, like, like we said, don't exist without what's gone before. Like, you know, like you say, the death of Superman or uh, the burn era or whatever's gone before that. Like, the, you know, those things don't exist without it. So, at this point, seven, you know, eighty years in, you can't not have continuity. It's sort of it's part, exactly. of, it's part and parcel. You have to accept it and acknowledge it and just work with it. Um, yeah. But uh, if we could go back to um, the talk about him having a son, mm-hmm. I actually heard uh, or read something while doing my article on debunking Larry Nevin for his Man of Steel Woman of Kleenex or mm. essay, uh, where he was supposedly supposed to get married to Lois in issue 8 of Action Comics or Superman, one of the two, back in the Golden Age. Wow. And it was like, the story was never done. It was called The K-Metal from Krypton. Oh, is this the... Lo- is this the... St- I heard of it. I have heard rumor of this. Is this the lost story that got shelved and was never and was brought out as a bit of a what if in the fifties? Yeah, 50s? yeah. yeah. It, um, it, you can find it on some some unfinished version of it on uh, God. I can't remember the website, but it is definitely a thing mm. that is supposedly going to happen. They ha- and they just decided the editors and 
those in charge of the whole company decided, oh, we can't do this. This will ruin it. So mm-hmm. you got shut. Yeah. And so I'm theorizing that that actually may have led to an earlier Jonathan Kent at some point. Well, it was... It was given some other name that would have had to be retrofitted. Yeah. Well, it always feels a little bit like, you know, in the... Uh, when they introduced Superboy in the you know in the mid fifties, um, it, it it was shoehorned in at, at best. Yeah. Because obviously it was just, it, the new concept was that when Clark was younger he had been you know a super character, um, but again and nobody in the wider world knew. Yeah, yeah. Just it was just in Smallville within that sort of small area, but you know again like you say if if. Just with one slight change, you actually make that like they're doing now, um, Superman's son. Then, you know that whole thing, that whole continuity could have existed, and it did, didn't it? Because it becomes Superboy Prime. Excuse me, it becomes Superboy Prime, which becomes, a, you know, a, a major part of DC law, really. But um, that that took some finagling and um, re-angling of who he was in order for it to work. After they basically again it was just a, a cash grab, really. Well, I'm not sure I totally get what you mean by Superboy Prime. Do you mean like actual character? Yeah, my inter- yeah my or understanding is that Superboy as a prime character. No, uh, so you know Superboy Prime is in the sort of the uh, the character that's literally sh- shattered reality for uh, Infinite yeah, yeah. Crisis. My understanding, and I think I'm up there. I have to check. Is that he actually was from a, a different world, and those stories that were told in the fifties and the early sixties of Superboy were supposed to be him. Oh no no no! Um, I don't think that's the case. Uh, maybe you're mixing it up with uh, Mark Way did a, a Secret Origin story. Oh okay. For which sort of focused on the idea of Superboy Prime being. Mm having his own sort of adventures before Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, but Superboy Prime it was introduced around, I want to say a DC Comics Presents issue of that tied into Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. And he had only had like one adventure in there before going into Crisis and then he went nutso at an yeah. Infinite Crisis and so on. And everything went from there. Okay, that's interesting. Because that, again, that shows in how many versions of this super character there are, and uh, you know, yeah. Um, and I, I, I do find that period. I, I uh, I'm not one of these people that sort of harkens back to the, sort of the golden and the silver age, and sort of you know, from a nostalgia point of view, I find them in many cases almost unreadable. Um, oh, oh, definitely some of the Silver Age, where yeah. it's just Lois is trying to find out his identity and he's doing the most dickish things to her. Yeah, you know, like you say, he'll get out of Marin at the last minute with some ridiculous, um, you know, twist of the the concept. There is one, there's a fantastic one, which like which really nails it, he said, um, in which Superman uh, tells Lois that he will marry her if she can get to a church at a certain time. And... Uh, she arrives on time and then he uses his heat vision to weld the door shut so she can't get out and then says that she didn't get there in time so he can't marry her. That, that, (laughs) you know, and when people... I I love the one where 
the first Supergirl comes about mm. through a magic totem that Jimmy Olsen wishes on. <laughs> and, and it's like, later they introduce her, a new, the real version, yeah, as, or the mainstay version, as uh, his cousin. But it's like, yeah, you didn't think this out too well, did yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. The Silver and, Age and ideas. Always finds out his identity in that issue, and then he, he's like giving her a note and saying he'll marry her. Superman will marry her. Yeah. And she's like, it can't be true, or something. <laughs> yes, the Silver Age was a very interesting. I, I do find, um, you know, going through when, you, especially when it's the Wortham post post um, Age of the Innocent Wortham sort of you know crisis. Yeah. Uh, and you see some of the stuff that was created, and it's. It's, 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 it is, but they're, they're almost like comics in frustration because they want to do things, and there's some interesting little subverts in there. But you get, you know, you then get things like uh, Superman had a power where he could create a miniature version of himself and shoot it out of his hand, um, and then he would go off and do like little mini superheroing. It's bizarre. Uh, well. Yeah, but we wouldn't have some of the stories we have now that have been reimagined versions of those tales. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And then you go talk about continuity, though. Exactly. You know, they they may not be amazing, and I may not go back and read them, but they have their place in the story of of what we have now. You know, when you when you uh, piece it all together. Um. So you mentioned we'll we'll talk about actually because it's an interesting thing you mentioned. You know, from the comics. In the Silver Age, um, in the relationship between Lois and Clark, um, you, you know, you mentioned to talk about it was the TV show of the nineties, uh, the New Adventures of Lois and Clark. So, um, you know, you you grew up, I grew up on as well, you know, that, that mid nineties kind of era. Um, well, actually, it was early nineties to mid nineties. Mm. Yeah, it okay. was around nineteen ninety three to or ninety four. That it came out in the fall of '93 and uh, got pop. It wasn't that popular at first, and then it became popular, and then uh, season four came about, and it was like, okay, yeah, you brought in the Kryptonians. After uh, you finally have the wedding, blah blah blah. Mm. Who cares? And that was. Partly how I felt. I know a, a lot of people probably were, would have just liked them to have done the first marriage in the show as okay, this is the real deal, mm. and just move on from there. You know, and because you could still have had the dynamic, witty banter, sexual tension between them by just having them constantly get interrupted on like their honeymoon, on a date, whatever. Yeah, it's it's an interesting show because when I watched of what I've actually watched quite a bit of the first season uh, recently, just you know, just doing whilst I'm in researching and prepping for all these shows, and it's actually surprising. I mean, it's dated. It looks very nineties, you know. Um, oh yeah. But it stands up as a as a you know as entertainment. It, it's actually quite good, and they managed to sort of maintain that sort of um, like you say snappiness between them. It's almost like a forties. Era, you know, comedy. Yes, exactly, Um, and it's great, and that that sort of ages really well, and the chemistry between Dean Cain and Terry Hatch is really good, 
Um, and I, I do think they squandered it later on, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, those first couple of seasons were really good. Um, and apparently they were going to have a kid if they had gone for a fifth season. Oh, really? I see that. See, see, that they end the fourth season with the baby crib. And it's supposed to be, supposedly, was going to be a Kryptonian royalty baby that they were taking care of. So yeah. they would have had a kid. So that might have introduced, you know, kids sooner to the comics. It seems, it seems like they've always been pulling on that string, always been teasing it. Um, it's an interesting place to go, really. I mean, it's you know, introducing kids definitely changes the dynamic. Um, but yeah, no, that show, the, 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 the things I find interesting about that show, let's say, is, is the relationship between Lois and Clark. Um, and how much he almost gives away his identity all the time. Yeah, he's a little bit, like you say, there's a couple of episodes where he's a little bit like, uh, slap-happy about how he, how he hides his identity. Um, yeah. Oh, like um, season one has, it, there's this episode called Fly Hard. Yes. Which is obviously Die Hard. Yes. Uh, where he's trapped in the Daily Plant with Perry, Jimmy, uh, the Michael Landis version of mm-hmm. Jimmy, which I hated that they recast him. But uh, he, Lois Lex and this guy, a kid named Jack. Mm. And keeps referencing, I've done the calculations. I've uh, thought it all through. If I could do this. And it's like, you're supposed to be Clark Kent now. You're not Superman in costume. They don't know you have powers. You are giving the whole ball away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you know, it's it's quite endearing in many respects. You know, for doing that because they try to do these things in it. And you, you... oh, it's very endearing that they tried to do it. And I was actually um, amazed that they had a, at the time he was a Star Trek. Ainstay for Next Generation and his wife Jeannie Francis mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan Frakes I believe is uh, he played Captain Riker yes yes yeah, yeah. Big, big fan of TNG yeah uh, yeah they, they appeared as a crazy couple villainous couple in season 3 or 4 really yeah excellent so that's the thing it was, it was that era when you know it was um it, it, that period in the early 90s I almost feel and someone suggested this to me then I agree actually I feel it's, it's, a, it's a good point is that Lois and Clark was almost like a counter to the X-Files it was a it was that it was that lighter version in a similar you know it was, it was you have you know the darker the sort of the, the paranormal investigation of the, the X-Files then you have this lighter duo dealing in little things it was in an interesting way I kind of like the idea of that I could see that, but uh, I, I honestly I have watched very little of the X Files. Oh my word! <laughs> I know blasphemy, blasphemy. It, it but, is. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I it was always more my mom's thing at the time, and I was still a kid at the time it was out. So it's like, from what I hear, Mulder masturbated a lot, and uh, at the time I was. Still that case. So. <laughs> yes, it had it. Yeah, there was some. Uh, yeah, I'll say. Uh, what do they call it? Close to the knuckle kind of jokes around that uh, yeah. back in the nineties. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, what was when you uh, 
look back at sort of uh, I'm, I'm going to go into screen versions on a, on a different show but I, I always felt sorry for um, Dean Kane taking on the shield like especially when you're following not not too long after um, Christopher Reeve um, yeah, you know, and, and trying to break that mold a little bit. I, I, I do think Dean Kane did a really good job to be. Um, oh, he did a, a perfect job mm. for someone who had to follow on the heels of Christopher Reeve. As, but let's face it, he wasn't the first one to follow in the red boots. Oh no, no. I mean, there'd been plenty, but uh, yeah. Well, well, I was actually talking about the Superboy TV show. Of course, <laughs> yes. I've only it's, seen two episodes of that. remembers it, but it's like they—they they were the first ones to really have Mister Mixel Spitlick on in mm. full in the live action. Anyway, I mean, there, you had the filmation cartoons for mm. the first, but that was like one or two times. Yeah, see, I've, I've only seen a couple of episodes. I really do need to watch some more of that. Um, because again, it's it, it, it's really fallen under the radar, hasn't it? That one that you know. I, well, I, I think that has to do sort of with the rights issues oh, having really? been tested over and over again. It just became like, who owns the rights? Mm. What can they distribute? All that. Yeah, because I had to find a couple of episodes online because I couldn't really find it on uh, Blu-ray or DVD over in the UK. So I had to find a couple of episodes on uh, online somewhere. I'll, I'll definitely pick up some more of that. Uh, do you use iPlayer? I do, yes. Is it on there? It might be on there. I okay. don't know. I shall have a look because it's worth. I think it is worth. Because it's on iTunes here, so who knows? I'd definitely give it a go. Um, yeah, we, you would just go back to another character. Sort of, you were talking about that the uh, the different versions of Superman and things, and uh, I'm not going to say give me your top five because I think that sort of puts people on the spot, but. There's a couple of stories really for me that always stand out, and everyone always says, uh, you know, when you when when you talk about Batman, um, you know, you go, oh, what's Batman's best stories? People can roll off, you know, a whole reel of things, you know, Dark Knight Returns, uh, Hush, or Long Halloween, uh, Court of Owls, all these stories that have been created. It seems a little harder with Superman, um, but there are stories. I do top five or top ten. I can do that. Let's do a top five then. If you want to do a top five, because they're interesting to sort of see, because I think it varies so much more for people with Superman stories than it does with any of the characters. So what are your top five then? What are the ones you go to? Well, first, obviously, is uh, Superman time and time again. Mm-hmm. Because of the personal attachment. Yes. Uh, but then I'd have to go with It's a Bird which is actually a Vertigo book about trying to craft a Superman story. Oh. Uh, it's by Stephen T. Siegel and Teddy Christensen. And it's about, it's sort of autobiographical at the same time. Mm. About Stephen's battle, uh, who I don't know, so I'm just calling him by his first yeah. name. So, uh, But he, he had, his family had Huntington's disease. Okay. And so he was having trouble because he had also an attachment from, from the comics when learning about the disease as a kid. But it was like a dark family secret, so he was coming to grips with that at, at the same time as trying to craft the story. 
So he gets different opinions from different people throughout the story that he puts in. Ah. And so he gives his own version of Nietzsche and stuff. And I, then I'd have to go with its counterpart, All-Star Superman. Mm. For the more brighter, more iconic take on Superman. Yes, I love All-Star Superman. And then I'd have to go with the, the first time... I can't remember the specific issue, but it can be found in the uh, first... In the uh, Superman volume... Uh, where Superman and Batman first introduce their sons to each other. Oh, it, it, in the New Fifty Two. It, it, it was sort of like before they did Superman Reborn. Yes, yes, I remember it. Yes. And I'd have to say that the uh, next one is. The two issues of Action Comics, and I believe it was either Superman or Superman Man of Steel, where Clark reveals his identity to Lois. Yes, Man of Steel. It's, it's, yes, After they've just gotten engaged. Yes, I remember that. Yes. It is. Uh... And the Action Comic, I love just love the cover where she's like, has the glasses in her hand hand or he's holding the glasses and she's like looking so shocked <laughs> like how did I not see this yes yeah. and then I'd have to go with um, probably well I know this isn't a comic per se but it is a good example uh the first Christopher Reeves Superman movie. Oh, that yeah, that film is amazing. Yeah, that mainly because Richard Donner just did a, such a wonderful job of crafting so much of it with the help of his crew, and also because there's this one moment where. Christopher Reeve just takes off the glasses while Clark Kent. Mm. He's in Lois's apartment and she's just gone into her room to get dressed after meeting Superman. And he's like grinning to himself and then he's like realizing, I better put these back on before she gets back out of here. Yes. <laughs> and you see the change from Clark to Soups to Clark. Yes, I, I I think it's beautiful. It's such such a good moment. Like I say, it's sort of uh, you know he gains a couple of inches, his his shoulders straighten, and he he does he sort of straightens up, and he becomes and Superman in a suit. That, that's and, how he does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, when you talk about All Star Superman, <clears throat> um, Frank Quietly's art um, depicts that so well that you know he shows. He wears oversized clothes. He just. Yeah. Yeah, he sort of like he hunches over, like I say, he wears the thing. He looks like a you know, I won't say scruffy, but like I say, a sort of out of place farm boy in a city, and then. Well, I, actually, I, I'd say the out of place farm boy in the city would be more Superman for all seasons. Yes, but this, great one. In this case, I'd say he's more, more looks more like a, some kind of brutish ape man <laughs> who can't dress himself. 
and has to wear specs. There are a couple of uh, panels like that, yeah. But it's it's again, it's that thing, isn't it? It's it, they make it so simple that um, as Clark, it's not that it's not that um, he doesn't look like Superman, but he gives off such an aura that no one no one ever suspects that this person yeah. could ever be, you know, the the Man of Steel. No, good choices. I like it. Um, I, I like the fact that they say it's, it's when it comes down to sort of specific issues that sort of you know that stand out for you and they can be really important or they can they can tell something uh, major about the character. Um, I mean, a couple for me is let's say All Star Superman. I think is 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 amazing. Um, I think. Uh, I, will say, I will say there is one of the Christopher Reeves movies that I absolutely hate. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's not the one you're probably thinking of. It's not oh. four. It is number three. The, oh, you mean the Richard Pryor vehicle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah because I, I always think of it as Richard Pryor three. <laughs> not because he's in it more than Christopher Reeve. Yeah, he had a much bigger payday as well. There was yeah, so it was uh, it was it's definitely a a Richard Pryor star vehicle rather than a Superman film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean that one. It's a bit it feels it feels a little bit out of place. Superman one and two, um either version of two yeah. stand up and they feel cohesive and as, Yeah. Uh, beyond that they feel like cash cows. Like they 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 cashed in a little bit. Um so yeah, it's uh, the, the films are of, of varying degrees of quality. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I think you know I've, I've gone back and and there are certain recently there was an issue recently in in the the, the current run. Um, it may have even been like it was thirty eight or thirty nine. So in the last couple of months, there was an amazing um, issue that was in, in, in encapsulating a single issue. It was just Superman. Uh, with these sort of ill children, you know, do, doing like a. Uh, I think that was. Uh, I want to say forty or forty-one. Yeah, it was. It was very recent, and uh, you say they're all up. They're upstairs in my long box at the moment, but. I think I have it here somewhere. It was. Uh, it was thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. There you go. So yeah, it was, and uh, it was just such a. You know, after after all the sort of um, the things you can, the grim and gritty that sort of DC sometimes does fall into, to have this wonderfully um, compassionate issue from uh, Pat Pat Gleason and uh, um, PJ Tomasi. Yeah, PJ Tomasi was just wonderful. It was such a wonderful issue. So um, hats off to them for it. But that that is the kind of thing I like that Superman. You know. You get great epics that I've really enjoyed. Um, I think Last Sun is a great uh, story. Um, other than you know, I think that's something. Uh, Secret uh, uh, Brainiac is another one. I, I think that's fantastic. Um, and ones like that, but then you get a single issue that just stands out as being absolutely fantastic. Um, he can be an amazing character in that way that just the smallest details can really sort of shine and uplift people. Exactly, yeah, and that's it. It was totally, it was totally uplifting, and he can be. And that's um, in this world, I think that when it can get dark, and and uh, you know, it, it's 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 not always the nicest place. Um, 
despite being fictional, I think he, I think Superman is incredibly relevant today as a, you know, to to show us that that you know there can be better ways of doing things. That there is a light in the darkness. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So when written well, I think he can be brilliant. I always get a bit bored of sort of broody. Whenever they do a look of a broody Superman, or it it gets tiresome quite quickly. I think. That was my problem with Man of Steel, and the whole Zack Snyder version. Mm. Which I think they were course correcting very well to some extent, with having a more smiling, optimistic Superman. Mm. And uh, Justice League. Yes. Which, while not the greatest film of all time, by far, it is serviceable enough for my taste. It was fun. It, it, it did. It, it felt, in parts, it felt... There were flashes of brilliance in it, I think. And like I said, there was a real course correct, which I quite enjoyed, in the, especially in the Superman character. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm interested to see what comes next. Um, if anything. If anything. Yes, I was, just thinking, I was just thinking that. If anything. Um... But yeah, no, and that's the thing. I think you know, Superman has has changed over time, um, and uh, I think how does he represent society is always interesting as well. In you know, in both books and uh, uh, and on film. Well, there was an interesting um, issue or moment from an issue recently during the. Uh, well, I don't want to spoil it, but. That's okay. No, we'll send, it, we'll send it out. Spoilers for the next couple of minutes. With the reveal of Mr. Oz as Jarrell, yes. the storyline, they have him fight a guy who was trying to kill some immigrants or some people he thought of as immigrants mm. because he got fired from a factory. And Superman is like, no, this isn't going to happen. This isn't what I represent. Yeah. And Melt's gone, obviously. Yes, yeah, yeah. And but that harkens back to like his, you know, the uh, like almost like the first couple of stories um, of Superman. Like you know, he he before he could fly, before there was kryptonite, before everything else, you know. Um, yeah, he beats up a white beater in his first story. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, in another one, he he saves a um, people from a building that's being condemned and stuff like that. So it's he was a he was he was a you know a Robin Hood almost character with you know extended powers um well let's not dilly dally around it. it he was a social justice warrior basically yeah that was, I, was, I, was, I wasn't going to say it but yeah no you're right you're totally well, right, you're I, right. I, I'm sorry but I'm just sick of people using that as a bad term it's like uh, if you're fighting for social justice or justice of any kind for the majority of people you shouldn't be you know no, no, I agree, and that's where I think it's interesting that he is. I mean, that's where he came from. He's, you know, he comes from a, a he's a, a social justice warrior for the people. He's a representative of the people. He, and, and that's what, even as the, um, you, as you said before, the ultimate outsider, the ultimate outcast, that that yeah. that that good upbringing means that he will still stand up for what he thinks is right, regardless of who it is, you know, that he's protecting. Um. But this is it. I mean, you know, he can be twisted for other other things. Like going back to uh, like Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Returns, and you get the sort of uh, Frank Miller version, which is the big sort of um, 
they they use him as the big blue boy scout as a as a you know as a tool yeah. of the government and it's a it's clear even then that Miller's conservative views are clouding the use of uh, yeah exactly and it never felt although I love that book as a Batman book it always felt a little bit um, wrong for Superman that that kind of Superman I I never felt he would become just a you know a tool for Ray. That doesn't question anything, goes for, to war for them, and burns off Green Arrow's arm. Yeah, it, it, that always felt a little bit off to me when you sort of really know the character. Um, and I think I prefer that version, like you say, the social justice word, that it actually does stand up for the little guy, um, you know, know, knowing that he, he both can and should. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I, well, I, I don't really have anything to add to that part, but no, no, no. It's, 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 just you put it so eloquently. It's a, uh, it's a good discussion. I like, I, that's why I like going on these discussions with people because it takes you places and you, you know, you ignites new thoughts. What do you think? As a, as a last thing, then, um, before we sort of we try and wrap this up, what, what do you think comes next for Superman? Or what would you like to see come next for Superman? Well, unfortunately, I think we're getting Brian Michael Bendis, who's better at street level than any superpowered level. Yes, I agree. And uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that we at least keep Jonathan as a mainstay. Uh, I hope that the marriage survives the next yeah. several years. Yeah. And we get retconned uh, out again. Um, and I hope that DC finally sees sense and not only does a good movie but mostly tries to go okay well since comic sales are not what they were let's do something crazy and just slowly age up the character mm. and see what happens and they can always do, bring him back to Clark at you know being a certain age through the multiple earths yeah yeah yeah, I've always liked those ideas. You know, the um, the Earth, well, I say the original gold, Earth 2. Should it be the Earth 2 Superman? That slightly sort of older statesman, you know, graying, yeah. graying at the temples kind of um, version of Superman. Um, I really enjoy that version. I think it's got, a, and I do think it's got a place. I'd love to see that version um, played out. Even if, I'd like to see it brought back, even if it's like a, just a one-off story, you know, a, yeah. what, a what if or um, or a, or they just bring back with a new retrofit or two mm. you know where it's like oh well it sort of has some of the characteristics of the new 52 or two but it also has what we knew from pre post crisis you know yeah there's definitely opportunities there I agree with what you're saying about Bendis I'm, I'm probably going to give uh, he's got like a six issue um, introductory sort of arc. Um, well, isn't that just one issue for him? I'm sorry to say. <laughs> yeah, you're very right. I'm not sure how much information we're going to get in six issues. Um, but we will see what it's like. But we gonna... will at least see a direction from it. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what he's going to bring. But as you say, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not overly keen. Um, uh, 
my experience of Bendis goes back to his the, the thing he, he he stung me with his version of Moon Knight and uh, I haven't forgiven yeah. him since so yeah I, I, I've always been saying that by the fact that he kept doing six months later six months later mm. during his new Avengers and Avengers run and it's like wait but you still have the sliding time scale is no one editing this yeah. I think in, when he was at Marvel, he was one of those guys that sort of like, yeah, he had very, you know, he had a lot of sway over what he was getting away with. And I don't think. And, and, and to be fair to him, he can write very well for street level. Mm-hmm. But I think the higher powered a character is, or the more out there the character is, he has a little more trouble. Especially yeah. when not. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. It will be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, I've loved the uh, the reborn run. Um, what Tomasi and Gleason have done, I think, has been fantastic. Their version of Jonathan Kent, uh, Superman's son, has been great. I think. Uh, I don't know if you've been reading. I've read. I haven't read all of them. I've read bits and pieces of Super Sons. Oh yeah, I've been reading some of Super Sons, definitely. And that's been really good fun. Um, yeah. So I, I do so hope they keep Jonathan around. I think he's a great character. Yeah, and I think he's a good counterpoint to Damien. Yes. Well, it, it does. It, 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 like you, we said before, like, you know, the, the light and the dark. And the, um, to have it almost represented in teen form is uh, is wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful to see played out. So, yeah. Let's see how it Especially because I think Bruce is more relaxed than Clark is regarding fatherhood. Yeah, yeah. But... No, I, it's just no. Because I... You don't see him constantly monitoring Damien. No. Of situation with Damien, given his upbringing, so far. Yeah. But uh, it's like okay, I, Bruce has had more children to deal with, so he's sort of become more relaxed, possibly because of that. While Clark is like. I have to be constantly protective of my son. Yes, it's, it's a good point actually, from a fathering perspective of, uh, yeah, the, their approach. Um, Bruce is definitely a little more hands off, I think, as you as you say, um, which is interesting considering, you know, I wouldn't want to be around Damien with sharp objects. Um, I wouldn't want to be around him if he thought ill of me. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't hold back on his uh, on what he thinks of you. Well, I, I'm more worried about what you try and do to me. Because <laughs> I, I consider myself pretty dangerous yeah. in a fight, but he has more skills than I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyone who was born and raised by the uh, League of Assassins is definitely going to have an advantage, I think. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, I think we, we will we'll start looking at wrapping up. It's been a, a great conversation. I think we've covered a lot. Of, oh, yeah. uh, of uh, what Superman means and what he's done and what he, you know, what could come in the future. Um, ben, it's been fantastic. Um, thank you very much for appearing on the podcast. You're very welcome, and thank you for having me. No, at all. Uh, one last time. Anything else you want to um, put a quick plug in before we uh, wrap up? Uh, time Trio, the comic I've been starting up. Or a comic series I've been starting up. It has the first issue already on Comicsology, mm-hmm. and 
and uh, the second one is just waiting for a release date. Fantastic. Okay, people, you've heard that. Check out Comicsology. <laughs> Okay, guys, there we have it. Fantastic conversation. It was great to have Ben on the show. And uh, might have him back in the future. He's got some good points and uh, some good thoughts on things. So, hope you enjoyed it. There is so much more Superman we are going to be covering in the next couple of weeks. And uh, if you've got thoughts on Superman or anything, really, in the 20th century or the, t- uh, the 20th century geek sphere, uh, let, me get, let me know. Get in contact. Email me at 20thcenturygeek at gmail.com. Uh, find me on Twitter at 20th Century Geek and don't forget the website www.20thcenturygeek.com We're on Facebook, we're on Tumblr, we're on Instagram particularly check out Instagram, got some good photos on there and all month I'm going to be doing a Superman pick a day so, thank you so much big final thing though, before we move on to the last last, last thing don't forget we are on Patreon any donations are welcome. In fact, any donations are treasured. They'll be fantastic. Thank you very much to anyone who does donate. Okay, moving on to next week. We'll be covering off Superman on the big screen. So, look forward to that. Matt and Jordan coming back. Until then, I'll see you soon.